Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms held wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, good morning. It is Wednesday, the first of March. We're marching into March. Uh, and I'm Carmen LeBurge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. As Christians, we are each one a member of the body of Christ. We're interdependent uh, upon one another, all dependent upon Christ, who is the head. But, you know, each and every one of us, um, a unique part of the body of Christ. So what part of the body are you? That might be a good point of reflection. I know most of you are saying, well, Carmen's obviously the mouth because she is always flapping her jaw. Um, You know, maybe you are the hands. Maybe you are the feet. Maybe you're the funny bone. um, Maybe you are some obscure, much more obscure part of the body. And you like know that about yourself and you recognize that. Maybe you are the praying knees. Um, There's all kinds of maybe you're the backbone. Maybe you're the one that helps us stand up straight. I, I, you know, it's all kinds of body parts. So what part of the body uh, are you? And then, you know, are we working together? Are we working together? Which brings me to the first headline of the day, which is so much fun, so much fun today. Um, Paul Perot, uh, the producer of this program, is here to talk with us about North America's largest cross-country ski race. What's the name of the race and uh, what is unique about it this year? Well, it's called the American Birkebiner. It happens in northern which Wisconsin. Is, which is totally why I told you that you had to share this. Because <laughs> you can't say Birkebiner? I, I didn't know how to pronounce that okay, word. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I, I lived in Wisconsin for several years, and as a matter of fact, uh, a pastor of one of the churches I attended was a big cross-country ski fan, uh, Pastor Brian, and he, he actually did the Birkebiner, which is a 55-kilometer cross-country ski uh, race. So, yeah, that's a long way. I feel like that's a long way to go on a pair of skis, even all by yourself. But what was unique this year is that two people stood on the same pair of skis and finished this American Birkebiner uh, in a respectable amount of time, four and a half hours. So for four and a half hours across 55 kilometers, which I've done the math is a little more than 35 miles. These two guys tandem skied. Yes, I guess this is the first time that happened. A couple of guys from Minnesota. I don't remember the names. Uh, Dubay okay. was one guy. Um, anyway. But, uh, yeah, a couple of... It's funny because they just kind of, you know, it'd be kind of cool if we could uh, do it, to you know, do it in tandem. You know, joking with each other. It's a typical guy thing. It starts out as a joke, and then they say, wait a minute. Could this be done? And so they practiced, <laughs> and they thought, hey, it's working. Let's do it. <laughs> It's so it's so fun. All right. So uh, it made me think about like the things that 
you have to work together to do yeah. in terms of sports. Um, canoeing feels like, or whitewater rafting, that like feels like something where yeah. you know you've got to be in sync with the other person. Obviously, like synchronized swimming. But the truth of the matter is, the other person is not going to actually drown if I don't put my leg up in the air at exactly the right time, which of course is not going to happen. True. Um, riding a tandem bike might be the. Uh, the closest thing that I can point to here. I like the quote from these guys, which says, I think the hardest part is the constant communication. If I forget to tell him what we're doing, so Joe's obviously the lead skier here. If I forget to tell him what we're doing, we crash. Um, I think that the lesson here um, on, you know, like cooperation and working together, um, obviously a lot of training involved, um, but communication is ultimately the key. And isn't that true in every one of our relationships? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. All right. So there's a little uh, lighter side note to start off with this morning. When we come back, you and I are going to continue our conversation. We're going to talk a little bit about what in the world is going on around the world. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, uh, Amy is listening right now, and I am lifting up prayers of encouragement. Um, just want to encourage you that it says in Colossians that like Jesus is literally the laminin; he is the one who holds it all together. So, as you're having a hard time feeling like you can hold it all together today, or feeling like you're falling apart, let me say this uh, to you: Jesus holds it all together. And sometimes he just gathers us up in his everlasting arms um, when we can't hold it together ourselves. And so if you feel like you're falling apart today, let me just encourage you that Jesus um, holds it all together, uh, including you. Uh, and uh, and yes, Rick, also praying for you today. Um, you're actually just on my continual prayer list. So if there are specific ways I can be praying for you, you guys can text me 877 um, these next couple of headlines that we're going to talk about uh, fall under, you know, what I consider like hashtag pray the news because you're going to say to yourself, I don't I don't know what I can do about that. Um, you can pray. OK, I don't know what I could do about that. Well, you can certainly pray. God um, has the whole world in his hands. He has every nation under heaven in his view. And God is able to intervene in ways that you and I um, never, never could. And so our part of that is that we pray. And so um, I have a rising uh, level. Uh, <clears throat> I've turned up my level of concern in relationship to both China and Russia. And so um, I have tuned up my prayers in respect to both of these concerns as well. Um, here in the United States, a select committee on the strategic competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party um, was formed in January uh, when the new Congress um, took responsibility. And it is a genuinely bipartisan um, committee and I, a select committee. And I want to celebrate that. And I want to celebrate that they are working together in a, in a vibrantly bipartisan way. Um, Seven out of 10 bills that were uh, seven out of the 10 bills that were passed by the uh, House Financial Services Committee addressed China um, or its neighbor, Taiwan. Um, and this 
Select Committee on the Strategic Competition between the United States and the Chinese Communist Party is obviously concerned about um, what they describe as a growing chasm between Washington and Beijing. The Associated Press is describing it this way. The hearings come at a time of heightened rivalry, heightened tension between China and the United States. Both sides, the U.S. and its allies and China, are consolidating military positions in the Indo-Pacific in case of any confrontation over self-ruled Taiwan, which China claims as its territory. Um, a part of this conversation is also um, a, an app on your phone called TikTok. The White House has announced a 30-day deadline for all federal employees. That's a lot of people, by the way. All federal employees to remove TikTok from government devices. That would be government-issued phones, um, laptops, uh, I, you know, all the places. All the places. Canada has banned TikTok from its government devices um, half of U.S. state governments have done likewise. The EU's executive branch has done likewise as well. And the ban reflects an increasing concern over data collection and the way the Chinese communist uh, government uses TikTok to gather information about who you are, who you're with, what you're doing. Um, I mean, the the location feature on it is um particularly significant and concerning. They're literally like spying on all of us through our phones if TikTok is loaded. And you say, well, I don't have TikTok loaded on my phone. Well, my guess is if you're on any other social media platform or if you have any friends, neighbors, colleagues, children who are on TikTok, um, they have sent you a link at some point in time to a TikTok video that you have clicked on. Um, in which case, TikTok is in there even if it's not loaded on your phone. It's crazy. So... um we also have an escalation of concern uh, in, I mean, I see it's kind of in the same direction, but let's go around the world the other direction. Um, and let's look at Russia. Um, President uh, Vladimir Putin has ordered officials to tighten control of the Ukraine border on Tuesday after what is described as a flurry of drone attacks targeted inside Russia. One drone crashed just 60 miles from Moscow. Um, and so... There is a there is a heightened level of global engagement um, that is worrisome. That is very worrisome. Um, and there are um, non-state actors out there who supply military personnel. Um, we would have historically called them um, mercenaries, uh, but now they're you know they're private security firms who supply military grade people um, all over the world, and they are now openly advertising um, that they will have men and women prepared to do battle in what they describe as the coming World War III. And and I don't want to be alarmist, but I do want to be sober. I don't want to be alarmist, but I do want to be sober. Um, and so let's be praying the news this day um, around the world and certainly in uh, in regards to what is happening in our relationship um, geopolitically with both China and Russia. More to come here on Mornings with Carmen. I am Carmen LeBurge. 
and this is Faith Radio. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. We are covering some of the headline news of the day here at the open of this hour. Uh, We're going to seek to bring the mind of Christ to bear on everything that's going on. Um, So, uh, you know, there's cybersecurity. Let's just talk for a moment about cybersecurity and what that means and, um, and how insecure most of our devices are and how, um, most of us fail to fully uh, guard ourselves and our devices from those who would like to pry their way in. Um, And so cybersecurity is a really big deal. The U.S. Marshal Service, um, which is the agency responsible for federal prisons and pursuing fugitives, so you can imagine that their information, their databases, um, you know, that would be pretty important, sensitive information. Well, the U.S. Marshal Service has been hit with a major ransomware attack. Cyber criminals um, gained access to sensitive data about ongoing legal efforts, uh, wanted fugitives. Um, but uh, the good news is did not breach data from the Witness Protection Program, which the U.S. Marshal Service also oversees. Um, so we just want to just, you know, I, I guess maybe I'll say it this way. The enemy is always prowling around looking for a way to devour. Um, And bad actors are also always prowling around um, your digital life. And so let's, um, you know, let's be people who are sober. Um, Let's be aware. Let's protect ourselves as best we can. And then let's also recognize that um, even the U.S. Marshal Marshal Service is not beyond, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I got to feel like they have really good systems. (laughs) to protect their data, um, and even their data was breached. So again, not I, I don't want us to live in fear, but I do want us to live with sobriety um, and recognize the challenges of the days in which we live. The House Homeland Security Committee um, has been holding meetings about the crisis of illegal immigration at the U.S. southern border. Um, and obviously the conversations are mostly related to um, human beings seeking to come to America because they want a better life. And so we have this incredible challenge of immigration. We've talked about it a lot. Um, We've talked about it from a number of different angles. Um, Matthew Sorens comes on frequently to talk with us about it, as does Jenny Yang. I mean, I just think about the conversations that we've had here uh, about immigration and the challenges that that we face. Um, You cannot reduce... um, it down to any one thing. Uh, I think that we have to acknowledge that people want a better life and to attain a better life. They want to live in a place of freedom and opportunity and security. And America is still that shining place of opportunity. And so they come. That's what happens. Our system, our system is not designed for all the ways in which people are now seeking to enter the United States. Our, so let me just say that again. Our system is not designed um, for all the ways in which people are now seeking to enter the United States. 
and therefore we have a massive immigration problem. Legal immigration needs to be completely reformed and illegal immigration needs to be stopped. But you're not going to stop illegal immigration uh, until you fix your immigration system. Like it's it, it, it's both hands are broken. Um, and so tangential to this issue, but actually a very different issue is the issue of drugs, um, illegal or illicit drugs coming across the U.S. southern border. And so you you are going to read or hear that the home the House Homeland Security Committee in its um, immigration conversations is highlighting uh, conversations about illegal drugs and the movement of illegal drugs across our porous southern border. Is that a problem? Yes. Is it a different problem than the immigration problem? Well, here's how they're related. Um, so much attention and emphasis has to be placed upon the immigration concern that law enforcement cannot focus sufficient attention on the uh, the drug trafficking that you know also comes across the southern border. And so they are related, um, but they are different from one another. According uh, and if you're saying to yourself, gosh, I know I know that drugs are a problem in America, but how big a problem and who are the main actors? Well, you know, this gets us back to our conversation about China. China is still the number one producer of the precursor chemicals that are required to make fentanyl, fentanyl, the most deadly of the um, opioid related um, substances that are killing Americans at absolutely record numbers. According to the DEA, in 2019, while Mexico and China um, were the primary source countries for fentanyl and fentanyl-related substances that were trafficked directly into the United States, India also emerged as a source of not only finished fentanyl, but fentanyl precursor chemicals. And so we now have three main drivers of this, Mexico, China, and India, um, and that's now, you know, 2019. We're now four years on um, from that data. The DEA also points to fentanyl um, or points out that fentanyl, because it's not plant based, can be sourced anywhere. It's it's, it's chemicals, so it can be sourced anywhere. Um, They say that fentanyl is increasingly being packaged to resemble safe, approved, over the counter or other legal pharmaceuticals like Percocet. And the DEA now reports that 100 percent. Listen to this. A hundred percent of oxycodone pills that are sold on the street or online are laced in some cases with legal doses of fentanyl. A hundred percent. If you're taking, um, if, if, if you know anybody that is taking oxycodone um, in any way that's not coming from a legal pharmacy, they are taking a pill that is laced with fentanyl. Okay, so um, we have a crisis and we know that. Um, we don't, Uh, You know, we don't know how to fix our broken immigration system. We also don't know how to fix the broken appetite Americans have for illicit drugs. If there were no demand for illegal drugs, there would be no supply. Like we are a supply and demand culture. So efforts to stop drug trafficking, while important, addressing America's appetite for drugs is imperative. And that's where the gospel comes in. That's where the gospel comes in. More than 80,000 families, more than 80,000 families in 2022 lost a member of their family to fentanyl. 80,000 American families. 
My guess is you know one, or you are one. We got to talk about it. We got to find our way around it. Um, We've got a serious drug problem, and our kids are getting, they're not getting high. They're dying when they take their very first hit. So if you haven't had a conversation about this critical issue in your community group, in your Bible study group, in your church, now's the time. Now's the time. We got to be people who um, address the appetite, the sinful appetite that Americans have for illegal drugs. Um, And yes, simultaneously, we have to address other issues like immigration as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio. All right, let's be praying for each other. Testimonies coming in on the text line. Um, this one, uh, you know, thank you for bringing up fentanyl. My 32-year-old nephew, Craig, who was a strong Christian, died after taking a street-level Xanax, getting a massive dose of fentanyl. I know he didn't know um, that, that that would happen, um, that that was there. Um, another, another friend um, texting in uh, as well um, on this subject in relationship to her son, um, and serious addiction that's now cost their family some $350,000. Um, you know, I people need um, intervention. They need help. We have to start talking about it. We can't, uh, we can't sweep it under the rug. We can't, um, yeah, we can't ignore it. We certainly can't ignore it. Um, all right, next up, we're going to talk with Lori Short. She's the author of Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. Um is the way God works a mystery to you? Like, I think we say that a lot. It's a mystery to me, the way God works. Well, God's revealed a lot in the Bible about how he works. And people's testimonies throughout Scripture bear witness to the way in which, the ways in which God works. And so it doesn't have to be a total mystery. We can have insights into the ways uh, God works. And we're going to talk about that next with Lori Short. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Joining us now, Lori Short. She's the author of Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. She's also going to be the keynote speaker this weekend at the Set Apart Women's Conference. Lori Short, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. It's great to be here. All right. Really wonderful to have you. Um, uh, Maybe just set up for us this conversation um, about you know, like, what is God doing? Like, that's what we want to know. Like, there are times in our lives when we're just like, our hands are in the air, we're exasperated, and we're like, what is God doing? It's a mystery to us. And that's what you're addressing in this book. Yes, well, it is a big question. And obviously, there isn't a one sentence answer to that question. But it certainly is what compelled me to write this book. I think primarily the issue of God's timing because I think that's what causes people to just feel like God isn't there. Um, they have a prayer that they've had for a long time. They wonder, what in the world is God listening to me? What is happening? Or maybe they're in circumstances like I have been where you you look around and you just don't 
feel God's presence or you, you, you wonder, um, you know, have, have you forgotten about me down here? And I think it causes people to abandon their faith. And so I started doing an exploration of some of the lesser known parts of people's stories in scripture, because I think sometimes we sit in church and we hear all about their heroism or the one thing that they're known for, and we miss some of the parts of their lives that are so much like ours. And so what I do in this book is highlight those parts of people's stories that I think give us some big insight on how to walk some of the mysteries of faith and how God is sometimes never more present than in those times we think he might be absent. And and I use various people in scripture to talk about some of the insights that we can learn and uh and and in order to grow and have a deeper faith. Yeah, I, I really appreciate um, the emphasis on Scripture and bringing forward these um, these stories of people in the Bible who certainly would have been wondering, what is God doing? Um, and then you help us to see things like, well, there's more happening than we can see. Um, time is never lost. Um, the little leads to God's big. I love I love that examination of the life of Ruth and what happens there. Um, talk with us a little bit. Just let's just start with the first chapter. Like more is happening than you can see. Um, who are some of the characters and stories that you use to amplify this point? Well, of course, I I open the book with the story of Job um, because I think he is most known as the person who went through a very very dark time, and we as readers know why he is going through that time because we are privy to the first chapter where God and Satan are having this dialogue, and it's actually because of Job's exemplary behavior. I mean, he's he's the one that God chooses out of everyone. Like, have you considered my servant Job when Satan has been roaming around the earth? And you know the fact that. Most people have the thought that when they're suffering or when they're going through difficult times, it must be because they've done something wrong. And so I think this book in the Bible is so key to our faith. It's actually the first time in the Old Testament that we recognize that we have a suffering God, a God who's with us against our circumstances, not God of our circumstances, which we often think. And so Job spends the entire book crying out to the sky, what are you doing? Why? And of course, his friends give him all those spiritual answers. I don't know if anyone out there has been going through a dark time, but sometimes your friends can be helpful and sometimes they aren't helpful and make you feel more alienated from God. And finally, at the end, what's interesting about this book, Carmen, is that God never tells Job why he suffered. And I think Many times we don't know why we're going through what we're going through, but what God does is he takes Job on a world tour and he shows him how big he is, how much is going on at any given moment. And I, it kind of reminds me of those times when we are either sitting on the beach and looking at the ocean or looking up at the mountains or just have this sense of, my gosh, I am so small and this world is so big. And because Job realizes that he is such a small part of a much bigger story, it is enough to cause him to repent and say, I, I didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and, 
And that heals Job in a very weird way. He doesn't need to know why, because he realizes that the reason that he went through everything he went through is for a much bigger reason than he could have imagined, because God is so big. And of course, we know now that Job's story, which is mostly about his suffering, has been used to heal hundreds of thousands of people. Job could never have imagined how his story was going to be used in the bigger picture. So I open with him and then I move um, from him to Joseph. I think Joseph is really unique in scripture because we get a 10 chapter account of his life. And so often we're just getting sound bites of people's lives, but we really see the ins and outs of Joseph's journey. And the thing that I take note of with him is if you were to stop his story at any given moment, you would never have guessed what would have happened next. We only know looking back on his story that he went, for instance, from prison to the palace. And so much of what happened to him was unfair. And yet all of those things were leading to where he was going. And I think that gives us comfort because we feel sometimes like we're in situations, they're never going to end. I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to move out of this situation. And when we look at Joseph's story, we see that when he was at his darkest moment, he was just days away from becoming second in power in Egypt. But the the path that God has us on is so twisty sometimes that we don't always see where we're going. And I think that's why looking at these stories can bring us such insight and healing to know there is a purpose for this situation that I'm in. And so I just move from there. And every every story, every account in the book gives us a new insight. There's actually 30 insights in the book that I think are incredibly help, helpful for living the Christian faith. Yeah, no doubt. Every single one of them is um, just this wonderful. I mean, even if it's not a total aha, because, you know, as a as a person who has read these stories, um as a as a student of scripture, it may not be that every single one of them is an aha, but the way that you frame it and the way that you um, that you bring it forward to help me see it in a particular context um, is just beautiful. It's just it's just wonderful. Um, so we're talking with Lori Short, author of Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. Um, and you are wondering how you can connect with her. You can do that at lorishort.com. I'll drop all of the links in the show notes for today. Lori, talk about this a little bit. Um, I mean, we could spend time in any one of these chapters, but um, I think that um, I want to spend time in find your compass and community, but I want to do that in just a minute. So maybe let's take a glancing blow at um, guidance comes from behind because I, I loved that chapter. Yes. Well, what I talk about in that chapter is how God um, has orchestrated the Bible where the word remember appears over and over and over again. And what's interesting is many of the times that it appears, it's to help someone have courage to move forward. And so I find that very interesting that God, you know, when he's trying to give somebody courage to move forward, he says, look back, go back, remember how faithful I've been in the past. And one of the things you mentioned, Carmen, is that, you know, these stories are not new, but what I point out in the stories is kind of refreshing or a different angle on the story. I know that 
uh, I wrote another book called 40 Verses to Ignite Your Faith. And people said, I'd, I've read that verse hundreds of times. I've never really read it the way you talked about it in the book. And so what I do is look at these stories. For instance, the first one in that chapter is where Jacob needs courage because something's happening in his life. And he goes back to the place where he met God. And I was thinking about what that looks like in our life, you know, to return to a place where you had a spiritual encounter can be so uh, healing when you're afraid or you don't know what's about to happen or you're wondering if God's going to take you through this next thing. And I think that going back to what we know um, and what we remember will guide our faith. And and actually the chapter or the section, and by the way, I, ju- I should mention that this can be read devotionally and it shouldn't mm-hmm. be a book that you just power through. It's something that you should live in. There's questions. I actually have a study with the book because I think that you could get so much out of this by doing it slowly. And uh, in the remembering chapter, I talk about the Israelites because it's not just remembering, it's what you remember. Because as you recall, once they got out of Egypt and saw the Red Sea part, immediately, like literally a month and a half later, they're complaining in the desert and wondering where (laughs) God is. And they just saw a sea part, you know, but they're going, oh, if we, if only we could go back to Egypt. Well, they forgot that they were slaves in Egypt, you know, so what we remember is also very important. So each one has a an angle on it that I think can be really helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to continue our conversation with Lori Short in just a moment. The book is Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. She's also going to be the keynote speaker this weekend at the Set Apart Women's Conference um, at the University of Northwestern St. Paul. So we're going to talk with her about that as well. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. It's more than just an old cliche. God works in mysterious ways. God Continuing our conversation with Lori Short, author of Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. You can also connect with her at laurieshort.com. She's going to be one of the keynote speakers for the Set Apart Women's Conference this weekend. Um, You can find information about that at setapartconference.com. If you click on those three little lines up in the right-hand corner, you can also find information about attending virtually if you can't be there in person. So there you go. All kinds of great things going on. Um, Lori, let's uh, let's talk about finding our compass in community. Um, this is not uh, ever maybe meant to be this like a Lone Ranger experience of trying to discern what in the world God's doing in the world. Well, exactly. I think faith has always meant to be um, in processed and talked about and lived in community. And I what I talk about in that chapter is the kind of community that you have will end up shaping your faith. And we see 
examples in scripture of both good and bad of what community does. And I mentioned before the break that the Israelites, for instance, are an example of a negative community. They obviously had a lot of whiners in the bunch. And I'm not saying that it wasn't a challenge going through the wilderness, but to, you know, not only at that time, but also when they sent the spies in the land. And if you recall, um, it was not a land that they were supposed to, de- to decide whether or not to go in. It was a land they were assessing to see what they should do when they went in. And unfortunately, they came back and only Joshua and Caleb of the spies held on and said, hey, it doesn't matter what it looked like. It doesn't matter that there were giants there. God has told us this is our land. We need to go in. And because 10 of the spies started talking about the circumstances and, oh, no, it's, you know, we, we're never going to be able to do mm-hmm. it. It created a fear amongst the community, and that community turned into a place where uh, God wasn't exalted, and they their fears were exalted. And I can think of examples in my own life where my community definitely had an impact on my faith, and that's why I think it's so important to be a part of a healthy community. Conversely, I talk about the community in Acts and how even in their persecution, they would come together and they would pray and, you know, the the apostles were getting arrested and they would get let out of jail. And instead of stopping speaking about Jesus, which is what they were told to do, they just proclaimed him even more. And they just continued to pray and call on the Lord. And, and then more and more were added to their number every day. And I think, you know, we've seen a recent example of this at Asbury College where, you know, a couple of students just started to pray for this revival. And, you know, 10 days later, they're still, you know, they were still growing and people were coming from everywhere because people are drawn to faith through communities that are alive in Jesus. So I think the message of that chapter is to find a community where you can grow in your faith, friends that will help you and influence you in positive ways, because the opposite can also happen. Let's talk about um, my individual faith, my individual story being part of a bigger story. I, I've been, I've been really like considering and thinking about um, heritage and legacy, like both of those ideas and um, and realities as we live them out in the Christian life, and. Um, the the way in which generational sin affects multi, you know multiple generations um but then also the way that faithfulness affects multiple generations as well talk with us a little bit about how our individual faith is a part of a bigger story um and i love the way you use hebrews 11 to unpack this this whole conversation yes well i knew in a book on faith i would have to <laughs> go to hebrews 11 i actually opened the book with you know, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see, which of course is the problem because so much of what we do see tends to contradict our belief. And so developing this muscle of faith and I thought, okay, in the last chapter, I'm going to go to the, to the context. I'm a big context person. Uh, when I look at the scripture, because I think we get so much out of what's around a particular scripture. And I always encourage people, if you have a favorite verse, make sure you look at the next verse and see how it all is really supposed to be interpreted. But Hebrews 11 just blew me away, Carmen, because 
And that's the entire chapter is focused on, on that chapter, Hebrews 11, because what I noticed is, you know, a few of the people that I mentioned in the book are in there, the great stories of faith. Um, but a couple of things stood out to me. The fact that Abel, um, it says, you know, talked about his faith offering. But as you know, Abel had a very short life because he was killed by Cain. And there is a phrase, a mysterious phrase, I believe it's verse four that says, but Abel still speaks, even though he's dead. And it struck me that our faith stories are on the backdrop of eternity. They're not on the backdrop of just the time that we spend here. So this part of our journey is exactly that. It's only part of our journey. We come here and you don't get to choose a lot about your life, um, where you were born, the parents you were born to, the color of your skin, the economic situation you were born into, the country you were born into, but you have choices every day about how you are going to steward this life that you've been given. And that is not the whole story because one day you'll be in eternity. And so really, if we think about our lives that way, then it kind of gives us a sense of heroism. Like, I want to live my life well, no matter what circumstance I'm in. And what's so mysterious about this chapter is it ends with the people who died in faith. And, you know, I, I kind of paint the, the whole chapter. I say, usually in an awards ceremony, you leave, you know, the best awards for last. The Academy Awards are coming up. You, you hear the best picture, the best actress, the best actor at the end of the show. And I'm going to myself, isn't it mysterious that God would orchestrate this chapter through the writer of Hebrews that it would end with how people died and that maybe death is our greatest act of faith? And I, I give an example of a cousin of mine who died so heroically, knowing exactly where he was going. And I think if we really knew where we were going and lived that, it would help us so much in living this faith journey that we've been given and to realize that we are merely playing a part in a much, much bigger story. Like I began the book with Job, you are part of a much bigger story and some of your life and the things that you do are actually going to be unpacked after you're gone. And so these investments that we make in people, the times that we live, the difficult times, you know, all throughout the book, I paint this idea that it's actually how you live in difficulty that is your greatest witness. God mm -hmm. is in the hard. He is in the difficult. And you know, people don't really care when your life is going great about your faith. Oh, well, of course you love God. You know, your life is going great. But when people lean in is when things aren't going great and you are still holding on to God, because that is so often where people live in the middle of the story, like I call it. And so I maintain that we tell our testimonies too early. We always wait until the end of the story. And then we say mm -hmm. how God came through. And of course we need to keep doing that, but why don't we have people standing up in the middle of their story saying, I don't know what God's going to do, but I'm choosing to hold on. Carmen, that's a testimony because that's yeah. where people live in their life. They don't always see what God is doing. And sometimes it takes years. Um, sometimes yeah. things happen after our lifetime. That's and so right. will we hold on to our faith? Amen.
Amen. Lori, thank you so much. Um, we're looking forward to the contribution you're going to make this weekend at the Set Apart Conference. You guys can still register to attend in person or virtually, setapartconference.com. Um, Lori Short, author of Faith, Doubt, and God's Mysterious Timing. You can find her at lorishort.com. I'll put uh, all the links in the show notes today, which will be up later at myfaithradio.com. That's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.